Greetings, salutations, hello, and welcome to On Milwaukee's Post Game Tailgate, the sports and pop culture podcast that's powered by the Drew Olson Show on the Big 920. I am sports editor Jimmy Carlton, and joining me is my colleague Matt Miller. We are both trying to remember how to do this podcast thing. It's been quite a while, quite a while, Matt. It's been it's been a it's been a bit, Jimmy. It's been a bit. You, I went on vacation first. I was off in uh, off in New Orleans, enjoying some Baby Cakes baseball, which is a real name of a real baseball. And yeah, you have team. a new favorite minor league baseball team. Yeah, the New Orleans Baby Cakes and the Biloxi Shockers <laughs> and the Wisconsin Brats. Not a re- not a real name of a real team. That was a one day only thing up at the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers. They rebranded themselves as the Wisconsin Brats, and I think they should rebrand themselves as the Wisconsin Brats for all time now. Bring out the later hose in uniforms. Yeah, you you went on vacation, then I went on vacation to Europe, where I managed to find a time of the year when. Um, as a soccer lover, all of the club teams had um, ended their club seasons, and all and World Cup preparations hadn't yet begun. Oh, Pobridge, Jimmy. So, oh, uh, no. despite two weeks in Europe, I didn't get my soccer fix. But we're going to get it now because we are being joined today uh, by <laughs> one of my soccer icons, uh, or one of Milwaukee soccer icons, one of my soccer heroes, uh, former Milwaukee Wave coach, um, the commissioner of the. Um, uh, professional Futsal League, sorry. Good job putting the notes um, up. Technical, technical director of the U.S. Futsal Program and the head coach of the national team, um, longtime uh, soccer, uh, Milwaukee soccer icon, Keith Tozer. Yeah, it's great to be here, Matt. Thanks, for, thanks, thanks for, man. Thanks. Were, I should say, you were an icon of my soccer days as well, but my soccer days were a lot less glamorous than Jimmy's. Mine were just being the worst goaltender on the worst church league soccer team back in like And yeah, let's not grade. talk about your age when you were coming <laughs> to the wave game. I would actually enjoy delving into that if you care to share any stories. I was bad. Right. I could not kick the ball, which is a problem in soccer. Well, and Keith, you have a little bit of uh, soccer coaching experience. With a player of, you know, what we would presume to be Matt's ability, is goalkeeper <laughs> the best spot for them? It's a it's sort of a high risk, high or low risk, low reward kind of spot, right? Uh, you couldn't run, you couldn't <laughs> kick, you couldn't... I was able to run, but I wasn't good at it. Yeah. No. And I, could, I couldn't kick the ball, but I was very good at throwing myself at danger. No. And just, you know, flinging myself at something that was moving. Yeah, we throw you in a goal. Yeah! yeah. Can't no help problem. the team, potential to hurt the team a lot. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, they, you gotta play somewhere, right? And now, 15 years later, I am spouting my expertise yeah. on soccer right. on a podcast. Um, so we are here to talk about the World Cup, which starts tomorrow with a uh, exhilarating matchup of the the host country Russia against Saudi Arabia, um, and uh, the not so uh, the the obvious elephant in the room is that the United States did not qualify for the World Cup this year. Um, for the first time since the 1980, first time in 30 years. USA. And USA. pretty particularly crushing for American soccer fans. Uh, disappointing, I think, for the sport at large. Um, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later, um, about maybe what Keith sees as some of the sort of systemic issues and developmental issues within U.S. soccer. That Could have been, be a blessing. Could be a blessing. Ooh. Could be a blessing, right. Could be sort of a shot in the arm, a, a kick in the pants. A tease of a spicy hot take. Literal kick in the pants. Um, but we wanted to start... Um, before we get into what we're looking forward to, who we're expecting to shine, um, predictions, uh, just going group by group. Okay. Um, so I uh, think it's it's apropos to start with the first group, Group A, which has the aforementioned Russia and Saudi Arabia game tomorrow. Um, not, not exactly a powerhouse group. Uh, they ha- ra- yeah, rounded out by Egypt and Uruguay. <laughs> Yeah, with um, the combined FIFA ranking of the four teams, it's, it's 49th. There's no other group within 20 
FIFA ranking spots of that group. Um, so, you know, good on you, Vladimir Putin, uh, in whatever way that he was able to manipulate that. But Yeah, uh, and I think Saudi Arabia is 32nd out of 32. So great for the host country to come out with three points. Um, <laughs> Russia's not as strong as they used to be, but... I would expect they would win, and I would expect Uruguay to go through to that group also. I was going to say, even even someone like me who knows very little about soccer looks at that group and is just like, Uruguay is the, the, the team to beat there, right? They're the, the closest thing to a contender Group A has to offer. Yeah, but I would also say that you got to look at Russia. I mean, they're playing on home soil. If you look at any professional sport, any college sport, home field advantage has that mystery about it you know and i think with the russians playing in russia i think you got to put them at the top of the group in the Uruguay. and putin's russia also has some mystery about it so maybe i don't know some hijinks will take place yeah and you know it's 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 a weak group top to bottom but it's not lacking really for excitement you've got russia and as you said especially yeah. at world cups um historically when travel was a big concern it's not a concern anymore but you know historically uh, host countries not only advanced out of the group, but they were usually the favorite to win the whole thing back, you know, the Uruguay is the European, whatever continent was hosting. Brazil, right. Brazil's right. Um, so Russia, you know, has a good chance. I'm excited about, obviously, what, what is Luis Suarez going to do? How many goals is he going to score? How many how people many, is he going to bite? Is he going to bite? What, how many red cards? Um, we have Mo Salah, um, who's coming off of just one of the, the most amazing uh, EPL seasons uh, in the history of the league at Liverpool. And uh, is, uh, by all reports, sort of re- mostly recovered and, and rejoined training uh, after his shoulder injury um, in the Champions League. And he's, if, when he's well, he's arguably one of the best players in the, in, in the world. Yes, he has been. He's had, a, a, obviously, a great season. Um, it, it's hard. Messi found out it's hard to carry a whole team on your, right. on your own shoulders. So <laughs> I think he'll find the same thing. Uh, and as, as the group stages go through and you get into the second rounds, you know, the quality of the entire team really comes out. I mean, if there's one right. sport that, yes, you rely on one or two players, but it's the quality of the whole team to be able to to carry such a long period of time. I mean, 30 days in, in, in another country with so many games, it takes so many players and, and, and a lot of luck. Right, and in soccer, I think, you know, as opposed to, you know, we just watched the NBA Finals and, and you know, you got your Le- LeBron versus the, the top three Warriors, but in soccer, really, you're not you're not as good as your best player, you're as good as your your worst player, right? I mean, the, you know, of your yep. starting 11, usually. It's that weak length where you can really be um, taken advantage of and exploited. Um, <clears throat> and, and the first game is such a crucial game when you're in a format of three. I mean, I've been in six CONCACAF championships to qualify for a World Cup, and if you don't come out with the point in that first game, it's daunting because unless another team is tied or you tied in your first game, if you lose and the other two teams win, then you got two teams that already have three points and you're looking at zero. It's a daunting thing to get past. So that first game, I mean, if Russia happened to lose that game, oh, my Lord, I can only imagine what would go on. But the first game of the, fir- of the first round is crucial. I, and I, that, that I'm curious about that from a coaching perspective. Do, how much going into these games, because, uh, you know, we're in the media and you never mm-hmm. get this, these kind of, you never get the, the real answers when you ask these kind of questions. But how much of this, how much game planning goes into, um, you know, we want, we got to come out with one point here. If you're, you know, if you're Saudi Arabia tomorrow um, going against Russia at home or, you know, or is it really like, you know, how, how much are you framing for this, for game two or game three and sort of see how the, sh- the group shakes out? Or are you going for those three points if you think you're you going got a for shot. three points I, I never went into game especially in a qualifier to say look at we need to get a tie we need to get a one point it would be you know hopefully we'll just come out you know the minimum with the point but let's go in and get three then if somehow and you never disrespect your opponent if you feel that you have the upper hand on an opponent be it you know 
players or, or whatever, and you feel like you can really go hard at them to get the three points, you got to go out and get the three points. How how far you've been talking about Russia and this this advantage they might have with playing on home turf, that kind of extra oomph, uh, not as much of the travel and the preparation that other teams need to do to take. Uh, how far can Russia go, do you think, in this World Cup? Do you think they're a legitimate contender, or do you think it'll be round of 16 and done? I think they'll get through the first round, and then I think the, the Cinderella story could have uh, a, a longer edge to it, you know, mm. because of their own home soil. I mean, if you look at our hockey team and what happened there, if you look at, I mean, if you look at um, Cleveland versus Boston, it went home and home, right? Mm-hmm. It went yeah. back and forth. But then what happened, they hit Golden State, which was quality all the way through, yeah. and then look what happened. So I think they'll get out. Um, maybe the Cinderella story will go. I don't think they'll get to the Final Four. Another exciting thing I'm, I'm looking forward to watching with this Group A is uh, Egypt's starting goalkeeper is making his World Cup debut at the age of 45. What? Remi- reminding me of one of my favorite Milwaukee Wave players, Victor Nogueira, who played, I think, into his 40s. If there's one position that you can play at a high level later on in life, it's goalkeeping. And, and Victor you know, was an MVP and an all-star and, and, and a champion uh, in his mid-40s. Uh, in a sport that you got to do a lot more diving, a lot more blocking right. than you got to do in outdoor. Um, time will tell. Forty-five yeah, yeah. is great. Congratulations, though. So you're telling me there's a chance I could get back in? Yeah, the you can get back yeah. in. Yeah, <laughs> you got a chance. Um, all right. So from Group A, uh, which, like I said, uh, has a, a, a aggregate FIFA ranking of 49, to uh, Group B, um, one of the the stronger groups. Um, which has an aggregate four-team group ranking of 23. Um, It's got Portugal, Spain, Morocco, Iran. Uh, You know, there's there's storylines galore with those top two teams, big rivals. What are we looking for in Group B? Wouldn't it just be Portugal and Spain? I'm I'm the idiot of this conversation. Isn't it obvious Portugal and Spain are moving on here? You would think that Portugal and Spain would probably move on in that order, but you can flip-flop it. Uh, you got to watch Iran. Iran is a very prideful nation. It was huge that they qualified for this World Cup. Danny Kaspar, who used to be with our U.S. soccer program, has been their goalkeeper coach for this this run, except they let him go about four or five months ago, which was a little interesting once they did qualify for the World Cup. Um, they are one of the best national futsal teams in the world. Uh, they're highly committed. They're highly fit. They're highly technical. That goes to the outdoor players as well. You've got to watch Iran. I do I expect them to go through? Not really Portugal, Spain, but I think you have to watch over. Well, I remember in 1998 they knocked off the U.S. two to one, and it was a crushing defeat for the for the Americans. And you know they've shown that they can they can hang around. They play a very defensive style, more conservative style. Um, but we don't really need to concern us, uh, ourselves with or either Iran as much. I mean, this is going to be. Um, at least attention-wise and excitement-wise, this is about Portugal, Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, they're coming off of uh, winning the Euros two years ago, um, <clears throat> which is finally getting a trophy for him. Um, still one of the greatest goal scorers in the world, um, one, an all-time great. Um, and Spain, which I think a lot of people, you know, you know this tiki-taka style they've had for so long, they still play that style. A lot of hold the, on, a lot hold of, on. You have to what tiki-taka what <laughs> tiki-taka. Um, That's great. A lot, what a, is a that? small, a, a very, a possession-based, small passing um, sort of tactical style that keeps the ball a lot and um, does a lot of uh, quick movements and builds up attacks through the through the middle, right? And yeah. yeah. Now I know. Thank you. Um, and a lot, but a lot of the names of, of uh, from you know the, the past years, the the Spanish uh, World Cup and Euro teams are have now moved on, and they've got a couple of guys, Isco, they've got um, Asensio, who are 
sort of moving into those, these kind of countries. These kind of countries are like you're at a nightclub and you're waiting to get in and you're in a long line and all of a sudden three come out and three more go in. Right. That's pretty much what these top clubs have. I mean, these top teams have. So, you know, uh, top players move on and there's three young players that come right in and and that's what's great about their youth program in these other countries and and that's what we're trying to get here in our country here. Yeah. Um, Matt, does, does a team like Portugal with, with a Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, he's a very uh, polarizing player for people who are just uh, independent of the soccer ar- argument. I think he polarizes a lot of people. Where do you come down on a, on a Portugal? Uh, he seems fun to watch, which in soccer, for like a, a dumb layman soccer fan to watch a, a star on the field is always exciting because you're watching someone just with masterful control of what they're doing on the field. And that's... Uh, for, for an idiot watching the game, you kind of need that kind of blatant superstardom mm-hmm. to be like, wow, that is what, that is what the game the, looks like. And it's a built-in storyline, right? Like, is he going to yeah. choke? Is he going to rise to the occasion? Will his quest to become a world champion right. pull him through? Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think at this point, with him and Messi, it's, he, he is not progr- he's, he Messi has obviously not won uh, a, a trophy either, but getting to, you know, the Argentines were, were runners-up. Um, Portugal's was Euro champs. They've sort of become neck and neck, and uh, you know I think Ronaldo would stand to to benefit from you know getting to the semis at least in the World Cup and Portugal as well. Um, let's move on. It's to almost her. better to finish third than it is second. <laughs> yeah, right. You guys, <laughs> this is true. At least you can finish off with that. that no, I got the finals, but we lost. Okay. Yeah, yeah, at least at least you have like that that cushion a little bit, you know. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to Group C, uh, which I'm very excited about because it contains France, uh, <laughs> one of the most notoriously fun teams to root against um, in World Cups. Uh, France, Australia, Peru, and Denmark, uh, and let's keep going with this FIFA aggregate rating. They are have an aggregate rating of 16.5, which is actually the second highest uh, among all the groups in, in the World Cup. That's very interesting to me because as <coughs> resident idiot fan of soccer, all I know here is that France is probably pretty good. France is, is, they've won how many World Cups in the past? They've won... They've won one. Yeah, okay. They were, they were runners-up uh, in 2006. That was the Zidane year, right? When he did the headbutt? Mm. What a champion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but then, uh, who's the number two in this, div- in, this, in this group? You've got Australia, Peru, Denmark. I don't know anything about... Who's the one that I should be looking for here that isn't typically on your radar? Yeah, you know, you'd have to probably go with Denmark, you know, because mm-hmm. their style of play, but don't count out Peru. So um, that is not the, the, the kiss of death in that group at all. Um, I, I think it'll all come down who wins the first game. So yeah, no really Australia. Do. Australia's no. out of the room. Oh. Australia's got Gary Cahill, who's 38, yeah. and has like just been to four or five World Cups, and he's just a, he's a fun guy. He's played in the MLS. Is everyone he, in the World Cup 35 and older? <laughs> what is going um, on here? To answer your question, Peru's 11 and Denmark's 12, and I had to look that up. They're two quietly really high-ranked teams. Peru is actually one of the last teams to qualify um, but they're coming out of South America. Um, and Denmark is just quietly, you know, I mean, very Scandinavian, right? Like, very regimented. They play a good system. They're hard to score on. I think they they conceded to some of the, uh, among the fewest goals. In, they're in extremely organized, right. the European style, uh, more, more like the Dutch. And then you got Peru, which is a quick counter-attacking team, and they're highly skillful. Um, so, again, I'd probably go with Denmark, too. Maybe Peru sneaks in. All comes who wins that first game. And what are the odds that France bombs out and doesn't make the, the, the round of 16? That's, 
That's a good question, and I'll I'll start uh, by telling you that I looked this up. So starting in 1998, when they when they won at all at home, they were that was uh, another Zidane led world champion team. Mm-hmm. Um, and t- so 98 champions, 2002 out in the group stage, winless. Uh, 2006 runners up. Good job. 2010, out in the group stage, winless. Mm-hmm. That was also, 2010 was the famous year when basically the entire, Nicholas and Alka, the entire team basically, uh, uh, quit on each other and um, went home essentially before the tournament was over. Always good. Um, <laughs> and then and then in 14, they went to the quarters, which is sort of a middling result for them. So you're, I would answer your question by saying we have no idea. The U.S. just <laughs> played, the U.S. almost beat them in France in a tune-up uh, last week. and um, Not with their first squad. Not with the first squad, and did and, n- and neither team really looked like there was anything there. Um, France didn't seem to take it seriously, but I, I I could see France. It's very difficult to play a match a week or so before your first World Cup. No right. one wants to get hurt. Coaches are very careful about who they play. Right. So, and on paper, that this is this is this could be considered the most talented team on paper in the World Cup. I would say. I mean, with some with some of these guys, um, you know, where they're playing. Um, the attacking force that they have. Uh, there is, there are some questions about Didier Deschamps as the head coach. Um, what is your, what is your sort of macro takeaway with France and expectations for them? Yeah, I think France goes through. Okay. Uh, I think they're prideful. I think they're very good. I, I think they want to start making a mark. I, I think their youth programs have really helped their national team. I was just in fr- Paris uh, a couple months ago. I was at oh. their training, training grounds. Uh, uh, I, they're going to be very well prepared for this, and I, I think they're ready. I, I think they'll get through. I think they'll go deep. Up, up, I say top five or six teams. Ooh, so we got a contender here. Um, all right, so let's move on to Group D. Argentina, Iceland, Croatia, Nigeria. Stop and the conversation. Iceland. How awesome are they? How much should I be rooting for Matt them? Matt is very excited about Iceland. <laughs> this is the most important topic of the World Cup. Size of Maryland. They've done a terrific job of their youth programs uh, all the way up through their national teams. Uh, They seem to have it right. I know we're studying them, and a lot of countries around the world are studying why you're doing it. Obviously, they don't have all the things that, you know, all our kids play football, basketball, hockey. we got so much stuff going on here where they don't try to do all that. But I I think it would be interesting to see them get out of the first round. Yeah, I I really would. I think it would be great. Nigeria – the physicality is awesome. Yeah. I mean, they, they've got so many great players. Uh, obviously, you got to go with Argentina. Messi Messi probably needs this more than anybody, um, <laughs> just to put a mark on his, his so-called great career because he's had a great career. Um, but that should be an interesting first round for all those teams. Uh, you mentioned, I mean, I- Iceland's development is really sort of an interesting case study because, you know, you, like you said, size of Maryland, they're the population of 350,000 people. And I was reading uh, one of their, one of the, the coaches within their development system was saying, it's actually an asset for us to be this small yep. in some ways because we can keep, we know where the town is, we can keep tabs on them, we can have these close connections with that. All of our coaches, all of our academy guys, everyone's, Preaching the same system, um, the technical development is all sort of steady. Is that are they a, a, a case study that you that you know America can use despite go, being ten times bigger? Go go to the World Champions Germany. Majority of their players pl- don't play outside of Germany. They play mm-hmm. inside of Germany, mm-hmm. so they play in their country. They play uh, a lot of them play with each other. Um, that that speaks volumes when you get to a, a, a national team. So when you have all those kids of the players who played together for years have gone through the same format, have gone through the same coaching, and, and, and not being taught so many different things, that, that speaks wonders. And 
I think that's one of the reasons why they're successful. I would love to see the Viking clap a couple more times. I love that. Do they, one of the coolest things. Do they make it? Does Iceland make it to the group of 16, do you think? Or do you, it sounds like Nigeria is their biggest rival in this group. Croatia's so. a really good team, too. Luka Modric. I mean, the, the, Croatia has some of the best midfield players in the world. It, and it's they, a really, it's a good group. And they own every soccer field they're, in Milwaukee. Iceland is my, <laughs> is my passion because of the story, the, the pick. Mm-hmm. Croatia, though, is awesome. Yeah. I mean, oh, okay. they're... Their their team is so technical. Uh, they, they're tough, hard players. They're very prideful nation. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Argentina, Croatia, like Iceland to go through just because of the story. Yeah, um, and Argentina for me is an interesting is a team where I'm like everyone rooting for Messi individually because he's. Uh, just a singular talent, perhaps the greatest player of all time, obviously one of the best players we've ever watched. Um, but I'm rooting against Argentina as an entity because they haven't done anything to deserve to do to, to, to have better achieve better results or to deserve this once in a generation talent that they've that they've gotten. I mean that the federation is a mess. Uh, they've bungled coaching and and, and um, directorial uh, appointments, and it just you. They forced Messi to to retire what once or twice yeah. from international soccer. It's like well, he wanted he, he said I'm done right because a lot of people in Buenos Aires, especially they say he's a Spaniard. Yeah, right. And mm. so he's he's not even really been truly just embraced. because he's been in Spain his entire and because yeah, his success life. with this club team right. has been sort yeah. of almost uh, uh, resented a little bit. And that's the difficulty that Brazil and now Argentina has had over the years is a majority of their players play abroad. Do you know it's so time-consuming and so expensive that if the head coach of the national team wants to have a training camp, wants to have some friendlies, that he's got to bring his players from all around the world to come and play? Germany doesn't do that. They all play within, majority of them play with inside Germany. They play together. It's it's a whole different ball game uh, what those countries are experiencing. I know people in Brazil would love to have their players all play in their own leagues down there as well as Argentina, but that's been the issue. So... You know, for, there there must be so much weight on, on Messi's shoulder that hopefully he can play through it and and and, and come through it. Yeah, and speaking of Brazil, um, we moved to Group E. Brazil, the Swiss, Spice, Spice, Switzerland, Suiza. Costa Rica, and Serbia. Um, so Brazil have, wins, right? We have an aggregate rating of sixteen point two five, which is the narrowly the the best, uh, the highest rated group in the uh, in the World Cup. But Brazil wins, right? Like we yeah. we can go beyond this. Is Brazil? The, the winner of the World Cup this year, is that is that done? Idiot fan knows that Brazil is almost always in the championship, Final Four. Who's Every Jimmy's time I look at Jimmy, I see five stars. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, is, is Brazil, if I'm a betting man, do I take the $17 I have in my bank account and put it on Brazil? I would put 15 on it. Okay, yeah, yeah. probably. Gotta have but I'm a guy wearing I mean, they're definitely, one of, they're definitely one of the five. I think Serbia comes out of that group. I mean, obviously, I think Brazil comes through. Um you know they'll they'll entertain they'll they'll people will love them, and if there's one thing that I know there's a lot of U.S. people that are over in Russia already, even though we haven't quali- didn't qualify for it, but you know there's going to be thousands of Brazilians going to watch them. They're they're, they're booster club, their fans. It's just unbelievable around the world, but. Uh, they're going to be there. It'll the feel end. like a home game for them. It's not going to wherever feel like... they play. They feel like they're at home. Is there a sleeper here? You you said Serbia is is your pick as the number two here, but could Switzerland or Costa Rica could they sneak? Switzerland's in? the sixth ranked team in FIFA rankings. I I couldn't tell you why they might be a team. I mean, they're, they're obviously a good team, but I don't know why. <laughs> like Maybe clockwork. you do, but 
Um, Costa Rica has one of the best goalkeepers in the world, Kaylor Navas, plays for Real Madrid. Um, argue, one of the reasons the U.S. didn't qualify with an incredible save um, of a Christian Pulisic. Thanks a lot, Costa Rica goaltender. Yeah, sad times. Um, yeah, yeah, Brazil for me is is uh, the winner of the World Cup. They're also an easy team to cheer for for laymen, you know, for regular fans who don't have an American team to, to root for. They're just well, we were sort of talking about this. Are they the warriors of the of the World Cup? But in a, but in a way that we're not really sick of yet because. <laughs> um, uh, you know, they just have the most firepower, the most offensive ability. They play with just a, a creativity and a flair that's fun. And they, they're offensive as opposed to a lot of the, the best, especially on the club side, a lot of the best countries are this sort of sit back and defend and be organized. And it's very spirited. It's fun, it's fun to cheer for, you know, if you want to see a game with a few goals. Um, but uh, but who would want It's that? always great watching Brazil. Yeah. I mean, the music, the, the flair, like you said, <laughs> the, the technical ability, some of the magic that comes out individually. You know, you, you have countries like Switzerland, uh, like Denmark, like some of the other countries. You know they're so well-tuned as a team. Mm. They don't have many special players outside the box. Where Brazil, name just one, they have some special players outside the box who will just do special things at special moments. That's what wins your World Cups. Right. That's an interesting—I just want to—we we talked a little bit about Iceland, and I wonder if this is the answer, but is there a team that's fun to watch like a Brazil— but has no chance at winning the World Cup? Like, is there a team that's just a hoot to watch, even though they probably won't get out of the knockout stage? Not so much at this level. Okay. You know, when you get to the final of the World Cup, I mean, no one got there, luckily. They all earned their spot there, and they're all good teams. Uh, and, and they don't go there to play, like, uh, what was that, West something in the NBA, where they just go play wide-open soccer yeah. just to go <laughs> score goals and entertain everybody. So, uh, you know, you, you, you try not to give up any goals in that first game, become very defensive, except the Brazilians. They, they, they'll they come out, they'll attack, they'll, they'll have fun. I think Russia will do it because of their opponent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, no, I, I, I think everybody's there, and they're going to you know try to do it to the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess if I had to choose a team that was like that, it would be the next group where we've got Germany, Mexico, Sweden, South Korea, another strong group. Um, Germany is the powerhouse, another World Cup favorite. Uh, every single, you know, quadrantally, one of the best teams. Um, but Mexico, for me, I think that's an adopt. It should be, and I think it is an adopted t- uh, uh, home team for uh, U.S. fans looking for a team to support. Um, there are arguably more Mexican soccer fans in the United States than there are American soccer fans. <laughs> um, but Sweden and South Korea, I mean, South Korea is, is, is the weakest team in that group, but Sweden is certainly a good, cho- a, a, a decent bet to advance out of that group. Um, uh, what do you, what do you I say think there? Mexico's ready. I, I, mm. I think the past World Cups, they haven't done as well as they yeah. thought they would. Um, e- even in some of the Gold Cup qualifications and stuff like that, I, I think they're ready. I, you know, they're such a prideful country again, uh, 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 for their sport, uh, technically sound, fast, quick, tough, organized. I, 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 I think uh, I like Mexico. I'll vote for Mexico. Ooh, I have, I have a question. So you've mentioned that a few times about a country, you know, the country's pridefulness, and a lot, you know, for most, some of any of these countries, soccer is is the, is the number one sport, and for a lot of them, even beyond that, it's this, it's just the lifeblood. It's the, it's the culture, it's the culture, it's the passion, um, and I want, and so I wonder, you know, can that also Way on you the opposite way the opposite uh, and you know like I, Columbia in '94 comes to mind where you know the own goal and 
the defender after he returned back to Columbia was, was murdered. I mean, obviously that was a tragic what? situation. But, you know, can, can there be so much sure. pressure, especially in a country like Mexico sure. where they have had a lot of these round there, of 16 defeats? It, it, it can be a motivating factor, and it can be something that uh, immobilizes you. It all depends on, I think the coach does a wonderful job mm-hmm. to try to keep that in check. I think individual players and their teammates try to keep that in check. Uh, you know, it's kind of like a 17-year-old at the, in the Final Four, 18-year-old uh, in basketball. You know, you're at the line. It's the end of the game. If you make two free throws, you're going to become a multi-million NBA. You miss it, you don't. I mean, people handle stress different ways. So, uh, yeah, it, it can it can help, and it also can be a negative. Well, the U.S. player in the last World Cup who missed the – wasn't it a wide-open goal? He, Chris, Chris Wondolowski, he will uh, never be forgiven. Against Belgium, yeah. I forgave him, but that's because but see, I didn't but know who as, was. as Jimmy said, you know, the player from Columbia goes home and he, and he gets shot. They they know that if they do great things, that pretty much their life is set when they go back home. Yeah. Right. They know that if they make a big blunder, it could go the opposite way. They will have to find citizenship somewhere else. Um, I wanted to, since we're talking about coaches real quick, I wanted to ask, there was news today, the Spain fired their head coach on, you know, the eve of the World Cup. Uh, that doesn't t- seem like a good choice. He, he took the Real Madrid job um, and uh, clearly politically disappointed some pe- important people. Um, is that ever a good idea in your head, in your <laughs> mind, Keith, uh, to fire a head coach at this point uh, in the preparation process? I don't think it's a good idea just the eve of going in the World yeah. Cup and Unless all you of a sudden you announce that you're going to go to a different club. Yeah. I mean, I think that's something that maybe should have been worked out a long time ago or with Real saying, hey, let me get through the cup and then we'll announce it after. Right. Yeah. Uh, sort of shows you where the where, where clubs, especially clubs like Real, but where the club game has now, in a lot of people's minds, surpassed the international game in terms of prestige and, and, um, and talent and maybe as well in terms of business uh, decisions by these guys. Sounds like a personal move somewhere up the food chain. Yeah. Yeah. So, but um, any, any truth to like the, uh, the cliche of like maybe that could be a shot in the arm, you know, you, you, sack, uh, you sack the coach and all of a sudden uh, the, the locker room is roused to, spirited to go on a run for the new guy. It's good for one know. game. Yeah. <laughs> if you win that first game, you know, it's like, it's like in, you know, basketball, hockey, whatever, if you feel like you have to get rid of the coach and you get rid of the coach and you win that first game with someone new, then everybody says, ah, that was the right move. Okay. Now, the next couple games are important too. Mm-hmm. You lose that first game, you lose that second game, then it's like, well, maybe it wasn't the coach. Maybe there's another issue on it. So. Yeah, Bucks fans will 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 <laughs> will well remember the uh, firing Jason Kidd, hiring Joe Pronti, going and on a seven-game yeah. winning seven. streak and then whatever. How damaging is it? To not obviously a fired coach right before the World Cup is not a good thing. Even an idiot like me knows that. But what are the kind of strategic issues that that you have there? What is what is the problem? Yeah, I, I don't know the story. Jimmy, so, so, answer your phone. So so other than than him going to a different club and then being upset about that. So I, I think there's more to the story than just Ooh. him moving to a club. Don't know his relationship with the players. Yeah, I think don't it's know a lot of politics too. Yeah, so I, I I wouldn't like to comment on it, but um, I think Spain will still be you know a good team and, and still do well. Right, it's hard to argue with that much talent. Um, let's move on again to Group G, uh, Group G with Belgium, Panama, Tunisia, and England. This is um, pretty much universally regarded <laughs> as the most clear cut um, in terms of results. Uh, Belgium and England, two of the best best uh, nations in the world. Tunisia and Panama. Panama, the worst uh, uh, in terms of rankings, and Tunisia not super well regarded. Um, overall, 
uh, group ranking of 22.75, which is just about in the middle of everybody else. Um, that's an easy one for uh, to jump on the bandwagon for. You can pretty much know that if Whoa. you choose Belgium or England, Matt, you are going to be watching yep. a team in the second round. England, what? Belgium. Is yeah. England fun? Is England a fun team to watch? England or? is fun for reasons that I know, knowing you, you would like to cheer for England. Ooh. They are an absolute shit show of a team <laughs> in terms of both... Um, play on the field, but especially how they're covered, how the country and the media infra- uh, infrastructure around them reacts to everything. Um, Raheem Sterling, one of their one of their young stars, got a tattoo of an AK-47 on his leg, and that it became the biggest talking, biggest storyline in the entire country for the last two weeks going into the World Cup. Oh, dear. Um, threatening <laughs> to tear the nation apart. Um, anyway, oh, wow. so England's a fun team for you to watch. Okay. Belgium has, again, some of the most most talent in the world. Yeah. If you like watching... Small country? What small country? Small again. country Another that again, it just situation. seems to have mastered development. Just great development of <clears throat> yeah. players over there. Oh yeah. If you like watching the English Premier League, um, you're gonna recognize a lot of these guys. You know, De Bruyne, um, Eden Hazard, uh, Vincent Company. A lot of just really, really top talent. Um, and then you have uh, Tunisia and Panama too. <laughs> Can England go all the way? I, I know they've been not a curse per se, but they've been <laughs> desperate to get any World Cup. You know, it's been it's been a while. long time. Sixty six. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. is there they any- get out of this group? I don't know if they move on. I, I hope they move on. I think it'll be important for football in England. Yeah. I, I think they're kind of like us, mm-hmm. uh, where they're trying to find themselves again. Mm-hmm. You know, they said that. You know, they need more technical players. They need to change their style a little bit. Um, I'd like to see England go farther. Uh, Belgium, I think, will. Yeah, I'm, yeah, completely agree. My only England memory is of the the one World Cup where I think they pl- they played Trinidad and Tobago, and I think they played to a draw, and and everyone was so confused. It's just like, what the heck is going on in England? Those like, Trinidad and Tobagans, man, they are uh, they're dream ruiners. No more David Beckham on England, right? Um, no more David. Is, is is Wayne Rooney still around? Wayne Rooney is is not. It's out of the picture. Am I still living in two thousand? <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, it's inter- yeah, England. Last point on England. I the the um, the English are fun because they are so is it's so important to them. But um, I was reading you know the, the book Soccernomics, which is a great mm-hmm. must read for for soccer fans. Um, laid out a pretty compelling argument for the fa- for uh, a boring middle of the road um, sort of pour water on English fans um, that they've done just fine. I mean, they're a small country population wise. They're a, a fairly well-off country in terms of their GDP. Um, they've been they've been a moderately successful over the last fifty years, and just because they haven't won a World Cup and seem to have had crushing losses is nothing to um, that, that is reflective of a grander problem. But it does make for really good media <laughs> freakouts. Who is the the player to watch on England? You you said is it is it Sterling or is it somebody else? Uh, Sterling's fun. Yeah, he's a good young player. Um, Again, they're a collection of a group of players. You know, oh, okay. Where Argentina's got Messi and they're going to re- rely on him or Ronaldo for Portugal. Um, it's interesting commentating about England and <laughs> that they've really been there but haven't been there. So I know there's a lot of English fans over here that are going to be rooting for them all the way. As a coach, what would you rather have? Would you rather have one of those Portugal or, or Argentina-type teams where it's the star player and everyone else? Or would you rather have a team like a like a Belgium or or like, Brazil that has loving wonderful players? It would be yeah. I mean, we, I think if we all had our choice, we'd choose Brazil. But but w- what is better for you as a coach? A, a team of maybe unspectacular athletes but play really well together, or a team of maybe lower caliber caliber players but one incredible player? I think if you have eleven players 
that are excellent players, and then you have a couple special players. That makes that's how teams win. I mean, if you look at Golden State Warriors, mm-hmm. if you look at you know any, any other sports team here in the United States, you, you, collectively every player's got to be a great player. But then you need a couple exceptional players to carry you all the way through. Okay. It should be noted, if you hear that loud thunking sound, that is the awesome championship oh. ring on Keith's Oh, yeah, hand. wow. It is beautiful. I don't have not seen a championship ring like that. It is. It is a Milwaukee that Wave championship ring from 2000. It is. It's very lovely. It's serious hardware. If I was if yeah. I was Keith, I would just be slapping that down <laughs> on, every, on every surface I walked past. Yeah, we should. Maybe we should uh, get some design our own rings that we can throw yeah, down during the podcast. Remember that joke I made about seventeen dollars in my <laughs> bank account? Um, and let's go to the last group. Group H has uh, Poland, Senegal, Colombia, and Japan. Let's take out the handy sheet here. They have a combined aggregate ranking of twenty-eight um, and. Uh, not just because they're last, and not just because we've uh, gone a little long already, but there's not a whole lot to say here. I mean, <laughs> Colombia is the favorite here. Poland's a good, strong team. Um, Japan, Japan, very technical. Has, yeah, and some veterans. Yeah. Their football has really done great over the last ten years, mm-hmm. both in outdoor football and also in futsal. I mean, they they've really embraced the culture of youth academy and getting kids at a young age to play. Yeah. So. I would say they'll probably be second or third. Yeah, these I mean these wealthier nations when you if you're if you've got the infrastructure and the rev, and the you know the riches to to devote into your soccer development it usually pays off. It doesn't mean, necessarily mean you're going to be the uh, be to be a, be a Brazil, but it's better than, you know, not having the resources to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I guess since group H is kind of a a, a crapshoot, kind of not the sexiest of groups, that takes us to the, the kind of ultimate question we have to ask. Where where do you place your bet? Who is who is your pick to win the World Cup? I would have to go with I'm going to go with Germany again. Ooh. Um I just think uh they have the ability to possibly do a back-to-back uh and they play against Brazil if that's possible. Yeah, I'm going to go with Brazil and to sort of piggyback uh Keith I, Germany is just they have they will have turned over their 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 World Cup roster this year is more than uh, sorry I'm I'm already constructing the sentence wrong they have they since they won half the team is new players Germany's quality has rendered Jimmy they open the door the incredible come on in right which is just unbelievable for a defending World Cup champion Jimmy you were rendered speechless by Germany's quality in in order to win back to back championships. You can't have the same thing. You need some fresh legs. You need some fresh legs. Yeah. Guys who have not been there. Guys who are really hungry. Yeah. It, you know, the, with the Wave, we won two uh, championships twice in a row. And to win the third, uh, we never did. But to win that second game is so tough as a coach and so tough as a player. Because one is you think you just want to do or need to do what you did last year to be there. But you can't. you got to get better. When you're in tough games at the end of the season, playoffs or in a final, the guy who hasn't won in the other team has a little bit extra wood in the fireplace than you have. Oh, yeah, well, we won last year, so, you know, if we don't win, it, it, it's daunting. So that's why I always said once you win a championship, you got to bring some new blood in. That really helps. Yeah. Hmm. yeah I mean, there, there's been a, a very small history, a very small number of repeat champions in the World Cup, and you have to go back like th- what, to the Brazil of the 70s. All the way 70s back. Yeah. yeah. Or, um, anyways, Matt, is there a team that you are uh, either placing your $15 bet on or that you are just looking, <laughs> you're rooting for out of excitement? You know, Germany sounds great. You guys have really <laughs> sold me on Germany. Who is, uh, 
I, I, I love Cinderella's. I mean, that's why I watch March Madness. That's why. I, mm-hmm. Is there a, a team that you think that maybe is a little off the radar and, and could make it to a, a Final Four, a, a, a Final Eight situation? Is there, a, is there kind of a, a smaller team that you think could really pull it off? I, I'm going to wear my heart on, <laughs> wear my heart on my sleeve here and go you know Mexico they Ooh. I think like he said you know they've they've got the talent to match this uh, the the passion that they have and the um, the the feeling that they are sort of due to do something more than just get to the round of 16 um, so I'm hoping it's that Mexico you know has a, a little bit of a run in it I, I, Iceland is is the choice you're hoping to hear. I think. I mean, if Iceland doesn't win the entire World Cup, I will be so disappointed. Right. Does Belgium have that ability to do that? To do what? To be that Cinderella team? I think Belgium could. I think Belgium could be in the is a great choice to be in the finals. Yeah. I don't know if I could see them holding hoisting the trophy. They just they still seem too small, too young, too. Not like an established powerhouse, but, but that would be the Cinderella team. That, that would be the one that would ride yeah, away they're small of emotions right? yeah. and talent and stuff like For that. For a basic, bare basic soccer fan like me, Belgium is not an obvious. Like Brazil, Germany, uh, Argentina, because of Messi. Like these are the teams that you assume are going to. Right. Belgium is, does not make that list for an idiot fan of like, oh wow, of course Belgium would make the top four. And they don't that have to worry count. about. Uh, playing Tim Howard this year, this yeah. time, so. No. I'll, I'll go in Mexico, okay. since we're from CONCACAF, and yeah. we should root for Mexico. So. Yeah, the, I mean, I don't think Panama, Costa Rica is going to be, ha- no. be you know, having much of a chance. I guess, I guess this sadly takes us to the, the sad elephant not in the room. Yeah, um, right, so that's a good transition. Uh, American <laughs> soccer, <laughs> what went wrong? <laughs> um, I think that now we've, we've now have, have had a, enough time to sort of process uh, that, the that there was yeah. a, a, a fairly major macro um, uh, failure in terms of um, the lack of development of talent, having um, problems with the head coach and um, you know the federation at that level, um, down to the fact that needing just a result against the worst team left in the CONCACAF qualifying hex, you couldn't get a result. Um, which is pretty much squarely on the players and on the you know the coaching that night. Um, where do you sort of lay the blame foremost in your mind? Knowing you know, granting that it's a confluence of a lot of different factors, but you know, what is the easiest thing to say? This is what has to fix to go to twenty twenty two. Yeah, Matt and Jimmy, I really don't want to talk about who's the blame or what's the problem. You know, what happened prior to the last game? Why we didn't get that point? Remember when I said half an hour ago, I think it could be a blessing? I'd rather focus mm-hmm. on that. I think if we would have gotten to the World Cup, we'd all have been happy. Sponsors would have been happy. U.S. Soccer would have been happy. Our fans would be happy. Would we get out of the first round? Mm-hmm. Let's say we went there and we didn't get out of the first round. Then all of a sudden you say, what? Okay, should we do the status quo? Right. How can we get better? I think for us not qualifying... I think everybody within U.S. soccer really had to take a look in the mirror and say, oh, my God, you know, we have every resource possibly imaginable. Why can't we get there? And we have to look within. Well, a new president came, so that's one of the things that came from it. A new coach is going to come. That's another thing that came from it. It gave huge opportunity, and we just saw that against France (laughs) recently. Lots of new players. It gave new opportunity for young players. And if you talk about Germany, half their team is new. I think that's what you need. 
I think you're going to see a difference in the academy program, which is the thing that develops the young players. I think you're going to see with our new training center opening up in Kansas City recently, how that's going to help develop. I think, believe it or not, futsal growing in our country and more people within U.S. soccer is buying into it, like Brazil and Spain had already bought into it. So I, I think it's really been a blessing in skies. And, and now the, the huge news is is now Mexico, United States, and Canada will mm-hmm. have the World Cup here. Yeah. I think we'll be ready for that. I, I think this is going to push the envelope. Where if we qualified and we got through the first round and then got knocked out, we'd probably be doing a lot of the same thing, maybe the same people in the positions they are. Right. It's like that. Uh, the the Bucks back, uh, were often like they'd always get the seven or eight seed in the playoffs and they'd always get swept in the first round, and there was always a kind of feeling of like, okay, it's good enough. Like we're we're doing fine, and this is this is a bombing out. This is a you you haven't made the playoffs. You're you're not good. Th- that makes you reassess the entire team instead of just kind of accepting the mediocrity and accepting being good enough. Yeah, and you mentioned you know winning that twenty twenty six bid. The North American Joint Bid huge. Is, is huge. I mean, then huge. 1994 was a, a major inflection point with the growth of soccer in the U.S. Um, getting new fans, um, ultimately, you know, springboarding MLS into becoming the, the first professional, big professional league here, um, and. You know, I, I would hope that 2022, we don't have to be looking ahead to 2026 as the next World Cup, obviously, but um, but that's something that can be maybe maybe that next um, really big major uh, inflection point. I think if it's, it couldn't be mapped on any better, other than feeling the pain of not qualifying, is now we're beginning to do things differently, and I think in a positive direction. I think now we really have a goal now because the World Cup's going to be on our own soil. I think that's going to be... A pushing point for a lot of kids. I mean, we're talking what uh, eight years yeah, from now. Right, exactly. So yeah. you know, people who are fourteen, fifteen year olds. Yeah. I mean, these teenagers are saying, "Well, I can get on the national team and I can play in front of my own fans." Yeah. I, I think it's going to be huge, and I think sponsors, obviously, they're talking fourteen billion dollars yeah. to net, uh, and and that's going to help member associations from around the world. I, I I think it was great news. I think it was the right thing to do. Um, so that's a really happy, optimistic point too. And uh, Matt, uh, <laughs> Matt, do you have anything else you wanted to ask Keith about? Uh, no, no, yeah, I think we, we covered it at all. I, I, I should ask the one, basically, we've talked a lot about futsal. As, as, a, as the resident idiot on this podcast, what, explain to the idiot, what, what is futsal? What, what are the, what is this kind of intrigue about that that, that can help ML, uh, the, the American soccer yeah, team? Yeah, and also, right, uh, how it pairs into the, the, the parallel development nice of soccer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> futsal is five-a-side playing on a court about the size of a basketball court, born from street soccer or... They go to play indoor in South America. If you remember after the last world championship, Ronaldo, Messi, and Neymar all said, I am who I am because in my country, I grew up playing futsal. So kids in those countries starting at four or five years old will play futsal until they're 12. Then Flamingo and Fluminense, Matafago, if you're in Brazil, they all say, hey, now you can come to us. you got the physicality. You think ahead. you got the technical ability. Your, your streets t- uh, tough. Uh, come ahead. And obviously, when you have technical players, you can do special things. I mean, Stephon Curry really kind of changed what the NBA was all about, was going big. Now he's small, shooting from outside, can drive the line. Uh, and, it, and if you look like Messi, that's, that's where he got mm-hmm. it from, playing in the streets. So what happened was that Spain, years ago, said, how come we're not winning as many championships as we could? They studied Brazil. They saw that Brazil had futsal. They brought futsal to uh, to Spain. I was in a FIFA conference in, in Spain for futsal, and Angel, who was the president of Spanish football, said, welcome to La Rosa, which is their training grounds. 
and I hope you take your picture with the World Cup trophy next door when they were World Cup champion. And he said one of the main reasons why we have it is many years ago in Spain, we decided that futsal would be part of our players' youth development. Hmm. And then a Brazilian guy was sitting next to me, and he said the other reason they did it is because they were sick of us beating them all the time. So uh, now futsal is here. Adidas just announced they're building 50 uh, futsal courts in uh, New York City, oh, wow. and I hear they're going to do it in Los Angeles. Target just partnered with the U.S. Soccer Foundation, and they're going to build 50 futsal courts. Uh, so Lincoln Park, which we turned those tennis courts into futsal courts, th- those are b- bouncing everywhere. So when I travel the world, I always tell people we have more futsal courts than any country in the world tenfold. And they said, well, what do you mean? Because if you look at our infrastructure, every elementary, junior high, high school, church, college, university has at least one hmm. one gym, yeah. if not That's multiple odd. gyms. So. The more kids that play futsal, I think will be a bridge to out our outdoor game. Yeah, what is the the kind of competitive advantage of futsal? What what is the what are the kind of skills that you would gain in that as opposed to just playing typical typical soccer? Up until recently, Matt, when a ball would come to a young player in our in our in our country, most of the people on the sidelines would yell kick. So little Johnny <laughs> saw the ball ten times to the yeah. game, and nine out of ten times he just kicked the ball, and he and he go home. He didn't do anything. If you go to Brazil, that young player would be told after the game that if you didn't, why did you dribble the ball only against three and then pass? Wait till you dribble four defenders and Mm -hmm. pass. So the whole secret of the game at a young age is technical ability. When you have a technical player, when you have a Warren Kretzky, when you have a Michael Jordan, when you have a LeBron James, when you have a Stefan Curry, when you got technical players, they're so special for for the team. That's what futsal is going to do. And what's great about futsal is that people in outdoor football look at futsal like part of the family. Hmm. Um, I know you mentioned Lincoln Park converting those tennis courts into um, a futsal court. You guys have, as the Wisconsin sport group that you uh, you yeah. founded, um, has been doing that in other places around the city. Um, what's next with with uh, both the the company and then for you and the national team? Um, uh, in, the, in, in futsal. Yeah, as far as uh, is the the youth national teams, we just took 22 state IDs across the country. Uh, we selected 550 players out of 5,000 players. Those 550 players go to Kansas City uh, June 29th and 30th. They go through two training sessions and three matches. And from there, we'll pick the 12, 14, 16, and 18 boys and girls youth national teams, 14, 16, and 18s. Then we'll travel to Medellin, Colombia <laughs> on July 23rd. Uh, so that program's great. As far as the men's national team, uh, we have not been together in two years, which is c- concerning for me. Uh, hopefully we'll start ramping up that program to get ready for the next qualifications. I've been talking to Anson Durant, head coach of North Carolina, as you know. He's won multiple 20-whatever NCAA uh, and other national team coaches for women. They want to start a women's national futsal team. So Absolutely. we're putting a blueprint together for there. So futsal will be part of the equation I think for the success of our outdoor program in years to come. Awesome, yeah, a lot of a lot of good stuff happening on the football yeah. side, and um, and a little bit of uh, outdoor soccer to watch for the next month or so. A little bit. They're excited. Yeah, I, I I'm a you guys have sufficiently. Eleven a.m. Jazzed tomorrow, me. right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, Ten a.m. Ten. Yeah. Ten a.m. Um, Setting Russia Saudi Arabia match right. might be one that we have to miss, but uh, uh, otherwise, uh, very very exciting. It only comes around once every four years, and the greatest sporting event um, on the planet and the biggest. Thanks a lot for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for being here.